peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast, guys. We have my co-host, Chris Van Brink. What are we going to be going ahead and naming you, uh, Chris? I what told you, man, be? physical alteration specialist. We've done three late. shows already calling you this, but again, it just doesn't, it doesn't ring for me. Um, and then, of course, <laughs> we have our in-house registered dietitian, Brooke West. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And then we bring you a special guest today. That special guest is going to be Cody Abel. He is, again, correct me if I'm wrong, he is North, uh, North Carolina's strongest uh, man, correct? Along with he is a tattoo artist and not just a tattoo artist. The dude knows a lot about health and wellness and fitness and is a tattoo artist. Um, and if anybody follows tattoo artists or any of that, you know, they're starting to see the industry make this turn into the realm of looking to be healthy. Use fitness as something to really keep the longevity for what they're doing. I think it's a really good way to kind of open the creative outlet for for tattoo artists as well. Um, you know, I have a buddy who is a tattoo artist, has been in the industry probably just as long as you have. You're going to go into your full story about it. Um, but, you know, he's into boxing and all that good stuff. And his name is Tony. Um, if you guys follow tattoo artists, look, check him out also. Uh, X Trophy X. He's out of Austin. But this show's about Cody. So we're going to go and dive down into that. Just, you know, Cody, where are you coming from? And, and you know, what is it that you you know, you really do? Uh, coming from as far as where am I originally from? Or yeah, just originally where I'm at from, my background, you know? Just yeah, so... Tell us uh, about yourself. Well, I was uh, originally born in Gainesville, Florida. And then when I was about 11, I moved up to uh, Southern Virginia in the Appalachian Mountains. Grew up there. And then um, basically I got... I was essentially homeless at one point. Um, and the plan was not to go to college. Um, but I was homeless and I also got lucky enough that I had a scholarship offer to a state school. So I basically took that as a means to house and feed myself. And around that time, my uh, scholarship was contingent on me, like essentially being poor. So, um, I was also in a band at the time and a tattoo shop near the college I went to needed uh, a counter guy. And I needed a job that was uh, under the table. So I started working the counter there. And that was the fall of 2005. And long story short, it was a real shithole tattoo shop. <laughs> um, just like the most atypical, just like like barbed wire on the wall as decoration and diamond steel plate. Like, what college was this? Uh, I went to Radford University. I used to live in oh. Radford. Oh, okay, so, so I think I've probably been there. You absolutely went there. <laughs> I know exactly gothic talking- arts tattoo yep. next to Subway. Yep. yep. <laughs> Holy Jesus. hell. Yeah, there, dude. Was there a bunch of flash tattoo art on the walls also? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hell dude. Yeah. Cherry Creek and shit. Fuck David Bolt. All of it. Hell um, yeah. Wait, Brooke, did you live in Dark Side or Light Side? Dark Side. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> so... That is a literal, there's one side of it. Basically, Radford is centered around the college, and they're, uh, the neighborhoods work like an L, and the dark side literally has no streetlights, and then light side has streetlights. So but dark side's where all the cool punk rocker kids hung out, where all the best parties were. So, oh, yeah. Truth. That's yeah, where basically, I was, yeah, basically, I was working the counter at the tattoo shop, and every one day, everyone quit. Like, all five tattooers and piercers were like, tell Stevie, kiss our ass. <laughs> and I was like... Uh, I just turned 19, and I was like, I'm I'm not telling Steve that. Y'all can leave, but I'm not going to tell him that. <laughs> so I called Steve, the owner. He lived in Pembroke, which is about 45 minutes away. 
and he was about uh, five five three eighty, and he Damn. like kind of uh, roly polied into the shop and like was freaking out and basically just grabbed me by my shirt and was like, "I'm gonna teach you to tattoo." <laughs> And I was like, oh, uh, all right, I guess that's where we're going now. So, uh, and luckily enough for him, I like fell in love with it and then also very quickly left. So that's kind of where I got my start. Uh, so did you, like, did you apprentice under him for, for a while or was I apprenticed for about six months. And then after about that six months, I started like, I like fell in love with doing tattoos. I loved working in a tattoo shop, even though it was a shithole, like it was just crazy. Um, but, um. I actually fell in love with tattooing and um I to his benefit I was my band at the time was really popular so I had like plenty of pe- friends that would just let me like hack them to pieces hell yeah um and he would tattoo all day and then I would like apprentice i.e. help him and my friends would come in at the end of the night and they would get $20 tattoos and I would tattoo from like 8 p.m. to midnight just all my friends um, but I started like looking at magazines and I actually had a friend in Tennessee that tattooed and I, who I knew through the music scene and I like called him and was like, Hey Randy, I'm tattooing now. <laughs> he, he goes, why? <laughs> is, this, is this, is this a Randy from Lamb of God, Randy? No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, and, uh, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm tattooing. It's real wild. He's like, yeah, it's real weird. Um, so he, he like could tell I was into it and he was like these are the books you need and like this is what you need to do and I very quickly realized that the dude I worked for was terrible so I just like up and left um and then the first like five years of my career after that were basically me relearning what yeah. he had taught me so dude, it's that's funny you say that man is I uh this is a personal experience I for a little bit wanted to become a tattoo artist okay like straight up, like I tattooed on myself. My best friend like helped me start getting my stuff. Oh man, got my own machine, <laughs> everything, dude. Like, and I yeah. started tattooing on dudes in the barracks when I was in the Marine Corps. And like when I got back from my last deployment, because I was like, I'm getting ready to get out of the Marine Corps. I want to go work in a tattoo shop because again, if anybody's been in a tattoo shop and hung out in there all day, it's a lot awesome. of fucking fun. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. Like it's just you and the boys hanging out, even if the girls are in there, a girl artist, like hanging out, bullshitting, listening to music, drawing, picking each other's brains, and like yeah. you get some of the some of the weirdest people come in asking for the weirdest things, and you're just like, yeah. Like, at that well, time I'm, and moment, I'm pretty sure you're like, yes, I'll do it. Now you probably say no to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I think what I tell people is what I what I found is it's it's always the weirdest people getting the most normal shit and the most normal people getting the weirdest shit. Yeah. And everyone's always like, what's the weirdest tattoo you've done? And I'm like, man, I haven't really, there's only been like one or two that have been like, everything's weird to somebody. You know what I mean? Like somebody thinks that a dagger and a snake is weird. I think it's fucking awesome. Like, but there's only a few constant times where I, where I've done something that like, there's no one that wouldn't think it was weird. But I have absolutely tattooed people that were like way weirder than any tattoo could ever be. That's amazing. And I just have to like kind of like turn into like a spider that's dying and like curl inside myself. And <laughs> so like, what's what's the weirdest tattoo? <laughs> Dude, uh, man, man. So I lived in Johnson City, Tennessee for a long time. Um, it's kind of where I like cut my teeth as a tattooer. I'm really grateful for my the time I had there. I was also like, I feel bad for. I, I feel bad and then I also don't for everyone that knew me then because that time of my life was like the most transformative it was like 20 to 26 so like all my friends there who I'm still very close with just saw me go through like all my phases Hell yeah! <laughs> so like 
like I have a running joke with my wife, like, yeah, we can move to Johnson City tomorrow and I could be mayor, but it would be like uh uh, what was the, it would almost be like the mayor of DC that got smoking crack, got caught smoking crack. Kind of like, <laughs> he's mayor, but five years ago he was firing off guns in the middle of downtown, driving his Jeep over stuff. So, um, but uh, I, I would tattoo in Asheville a lot too at my friends. And um, so I'm down there tattooing for a weekend. And anyone that's been to Asheville when the weather's nice knows it's like a fucking shit storm. Like, just like, fucking white people from the south with money like just like the most entitled people ever um but this girl comes in she's really nice she's like oh i want a tattoo on my lower hip i'm like all right cool what do you want she tells me what she wants it's like a little bible notation all right give me just a minute um in the back draw it up cool great um i think i want it like on my like lower outside lower thigh i'm like cool no big deal doesn't change anything so i like set up in the room I'm getting ready to go, and I'm like, all right, you can come on in, and the station I was in had a door, and she closes the door behind her, and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I get it. Lobby's full of people. No big deal. Um, And I, like, turn around to, like, put, like, an ink cap down, and then I turn back around, and she's, like, just pulling her sundress, like, off, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you could just pull your skirt up. We don't need you to take it off, and she's like, no, I want it. Uh, I changed my mind where I want it, and I was like, oh, where do you want it? She was like, I want it right. Well, it's a podcast. You can't see. She basically pointed to her genital area. A Bible, a Bible yeah, verse? So like right, right up, like on her like wow. lower right area. Above. And, right above. And I was like. <laughs> That's a bold right. statement. Well, so. Put that and, there. Yeah. No judgment. <laughs> no judgment. I'm just, it just in my brain, how the situation transformed to this was what more is what was fascinating. And I'm like, all right, cool. Not a big deal. All right. And um, I like put the stencil on, and I'm like, okay, uh, we gotta let it dry. Go and lay down. I'm like doing my thing, and I like go. My whole career, I've had this like horrifying nightmare. My whole career because I worked with creeps when I first yeah. started, of like me doing something or anything to make anyone, especially a female, uncomfortable. So I'm like literally looking at the wall the whole time, <laughs> like. Look you at know, your phone. if I'm not working, yeah, like if I'm not working on, if I'm not doing something on her, I'm like l- looking away, like just trying to make her comfortable. And I'm like, all right, let's start. Do th- I'm doing the tattoo. And she's like, oh, do you read the Bible? I'm like, oh, well, I did when I was younger. I don't anymore. Blah, blah, blah. That story. She's like, oh, do you know what this notation is? I'm like, I don't. Sorry. And I asked, I'm like, what is it? I'm trying to make conversation. So she feel comfortable, and she's like, "Oh, well, blah, blah, my body's it's the one about my body is a temple." And gotcha. I was like, "Right, putting uh, it right at the entrance." <laughs> and I was like, "So is this like your chastity belt?" And she was like, "That's exactly what it is." And I was wow. like, "That's amazing, oh, shit, yeah." So like, perfect scenario, tattoo itself totally normal. She herself was acted totally normal, but just how the situation sort of like. Played out, transformed yeah. and played out was just like I was like this is ridiculous. I feel like I've had it's, a lot of conversations about some some deep Bible topics, but never as I was actually looking at a vagina. <laughs> Jesus yeah, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> like, but I mean, you think about it, like play that image out in your mind, right? Like, oh no, like, I've actually, imagine this actually happening in real life. Like, no, it's <laughs> happened to me before in real life. Like same instance. Like oh, I, when I was learning how to tattoo. Like. Again, the same thing, 20, 30 bucks. Like, hey, barracks room, my buddy brings his, like, girlfriend in. I mean, white trash is going to be. And if you know the military, you have those people. They don't care who tattoos as long as they get it. Well, she didn't. I don't think, did she want a chastity belt? 
It was it was two pistols saying welcome a like below her belly button right Hell above. yeah, brother. It was Get some. two That's pistols amazing. in the middle saying welcome. Yeah, and I was and I did it. I did it. Again, yeah, did. if you listen to this podcast and you used to follow me when I was back in that time frame, like, like that transitional period, I'm sorry. I, I, sh- I sure hope those pistols are still around. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, they are. Hell, yeah, they are. Probably, they, they are How much did you pay for How much did you charge her? Uh, I charged 60 bucks for that. Yeah, she did. Yeah, you did. It did. Yeah. It, you, you know 30, what? $30 per it pistol? It doesn't matter what they look like because if anyone says anything, she goes, well, 60 bucks. Well, exactly. <laughs> right, it's right for 60 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow okay so, well i mean that's that's, that's amazing awesome. so what do you is what amazing. is your specialty like when it comes down to like tattooing like, um, artists, like art so artists? if you would have asked me that six months to a year ago i would have given the most like um let us try and make everybody happy kind of an answer which is still true to this day um but um i'm very fortunate that the last two years down here in durham living in durham working in chapel hill um have been super transformative for me and um i was like afraid to be a specialist for a long time because i was kind of i feel like i started tattooing right i literally started tattooing the summer miami came out um so i feel like i'm the beginning of the wave like this huge wave of tattooers that came in whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing i don't i don't know personally but i'm a part of that wave and that's just how it is um but um i think uh I used to think like I don't want to specialize. I want to do everything, which is awesome. I know guys that can do everything, and they're fucking awesome. Um, I'm not that guy, um, and I have realized now exactly what I can do and exactly what I can capitalize on, and what I just have like a drive to do. And I love uh, just traditional tattoo iconography. Um, a la, I, I hate to use the word American traditional or term just because it's played out now, but like fucking dagger snakes and eagles are fucking cool. Yeah. Like, does it have to be the one out of this book from the 50s? No, but like that layout looks sick, like a That's dagger going, with a yeah. snake wrapping around it. Like, how's that never not cool? Yeah. Um, and then I have, I am literally like, I actually went to the, my, my mailbox today to get like a batch of books. Um, I'm like going neck deep on my desire to do, uh, my, my white American interpretation of traditional Japanese. That's going to be good. Um, I've always been real into it. I've, I had like a, I started at a deficit in tattooing. Like I was forced to tattoo. I didn't pursue it. Um, and I drew as a kid, but then music came in. So I didn't, I stopped drawing in fifth grade and I played music until I was 19 or 20. And when I started tattooing, I was like, oh, I got to learn this skill that I sort of had as a kid. Um, so I didn't really feel like I was allowed to pursue Japanese and like that higher level stuff. Um, but now I just don't give a shit about what I may or may not be entitled to and I want it. So I'm going to take it. Um, and I'm I've I've spent like a couple of thousand dollars the last few months um, on like I have like friends that I consider the best Japanese tattooers in the world and I'm like listen I don't care about I don't need books of the I don't need books of images like yeah. I need to know the mythology if I know the names of shit I can find out what it looks like finding the images of Japanese stuff is easy like. It's knowing the mythology and the names of stuff. So I was like, I need you to give me whatever you're willing to give me in terms of like the list of the books I need. I don't care how much they cost. I'm just going to chip away and get them. If I got to use the Google Translator on my phone, that's fine. But I need to know the lore. Because um, if I know the lore, I can find out what it looks like. That's easy. Um, so uh, I'm just going neck deep in that. And I've been doing um, some like 
I've been doing like pet portraits lately, Sweet. and they've been a fucking blast. I was about to say, um, a lot of they're black like my yeah, uh, black and gray. Like they, some of them have been color, wow. but they're not like color portraits. They're just like realistic tattoos of people's pets. I, I would call them. I wouldn't call them like. It doesn't look like color realism, like there's outlines. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. So I just really, man, if I want to, if I if I had it my way, and like regardless of like what like the thirty year tattoo adage gods think of me, like if I could do snakes, daggers, banners, eagles, and then traditional Japanese and some pet portraits for the rest of my life, I'd be happy. Hell so. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess the, one thing I want to point out too, though, is you talk about like this stepping stone in tattooing in the in the industry of like, hey, you have to work to like learn A, B, and C, and D so that you have a better understanding, so that when you do tattooing, it has a deeper meaning to it. Again, because a lot of people are out there nowadays are like, oh, tattooing is just tattooing. It's like realistically, no, it's not. Like there's yeah. so much history and meaning behind everything. There's yeah. a reason why you're blending a certain color. There's a reason why you're putting this a certain place. There's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of history behind it. And yeah. that's one thing that really was interesting to me when I kind of got into it. And my you know my best friend kind of mentioned it to me, and I started looking was the history behind it. And and there is legitimately art that comes with it, not just copy and paste onto a stencil. Yeah, put on. I definitely think lines. there's a place for that too. I think everyone like the first few years. I don't care like. I mean, I know dudes that they they didn't need to learn how like because like any artists like that have shown interest in tattooing, they almost always have to learn to how to draw tattoos because it's way different. Like some of the things you do for a tattoo are just fundamentally antithetical to what a lot of people are taught in art school. Yeah. Um, but like I know dudes that like you could take their drawings out of their sketchbook and make a stencil and it's a perfect tattoo. Like they're just that good and they probably wanted to draw tattoos. Um, but like being able to replicate something like is like the cornerstone of like learning how to tattoo. Yeah. Um, and I think for at least like the first couple of years, like that needs to be a majority of what you're doing. Cause like you could draw something awesome, but like when you're going to tattoo it, it's a whole different ball game from there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's you it's also like your first few years you need to have a clear-cut answer like did i make this look good well if it's your drawing and even if it's a good drawing there's always that gray area there's that sort of um that thing that like you can always fall back what well, what's my style well your style fucking sucks yeah so let's <laughs> um but you know like there's nothing wrong with somebody picking something off the wall let's just be very clear but like you as like a young tattooer um like yeah you need to know like all right they wanted this rose with a banner that said mom does it look like that rose does it say mom all right cool good job Check oh it mark. doesn't all right well what did we do wrong here what went yeah. wrong let's figure that out so i used to have a real stick up my ass <laughs> about <laughs> tattooing and about tattooers um and like the right way the wrong way and i still like have like a real i still have my like fundamental core feelings about it aren't aren't any different but like I used to just get like a real stick up my ass about what people did and what people would get. And I think it now, man, the older I get and I'm just like, man, if, if you're doing, if the, if people, if you're treating people well, the customers and the tattoos that you're doing and, or are selling over the internet, which is what you're doing when you post or you're selling yourself and the work you do, if it's going to hold up pretty good, like, if it's going to basically look the same in five to ten years, and, I mean, if it looks good in ten years, it'll look good for 30 years. So if it's going to look good in five to ten years, fucking whatever, dude. Like, there's so many people that aren't doing that. Like, let's worry about those fucking people first. Like, I'm I not really... I thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, 
There's a shop in New York. Um, I'm not going to say their name because I'm not into what they do, but <laughs> they do tattoos that like I'm not into at all in, in any way. However, they do tattoos that people like. Yeah. Um, and they pay out the ass for. And I've seen a few in person. And they fucking hold up, man. Like, I think they're really dumb, and they pay crazy amounts of money for them. But it looks like they're going to hold up. So it's like, well, shit, man, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Like, go for it. You found your thing. Let's do it. Whatever. One thing that I learned, dude, from the tattooing aspect and now looking at programming, uh, you know, in the fitness aspect is that there's multiple ways to skin a cat, right? And, like, if you get the job done, you get the job done. And, And it's funny. I look at it like a trades, like a tradesman craft, right? Yep. As we go through a certain portion of our time frame of doing this for so long, we go through these ebbs and flows of being a, you know, a keeper of the of of whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you get past that, and now you're kind of like, well, you know what? Like, no, like as long as you're doing something to give something that like happy feeling, and it looks good, yeah. and it gets the job done. Yeah. So be it. You're right. Let's go ahead and help to educate those dudes that are not doing that or, you know, yeah. that got that rose and that banner when they go ahead and draw this rose, the blending of the black, you know, and everything yeah. is just completely shit. And the, and the banner looks like a fucking straw going across the rose and, and yeah. the mom is spelled wrong. Let's go ahead and fix those dudes. And same exact thing when we yeah. go and look at the programming aspect, right? Like you got guys who coach and program who who can, can, can coach but can't program very well or can program very well, can't coach. Yeah. Let's go or don't f- know don't know how to program for who the audience is. It, exactly right, and, and then and then from there fixing educating them. I think that's a, I, I think any aspect of that, that's kind of how I look at like when I talk about programming, I look at it as an art as well, and I think it just comes yeah. from an art background. It's just literally what it comes from is just from an art background. And I was yeah. about to throw out there, it seems like a lot of artists um, who are tattoo artists come from a band background. Oh like, yeah, well like my, I. <laughs> So I have been, so without getting too far into it, we might need a part two. I come from a really just like split up, gnarly, like episode of Cops, episode of Jerry Springer type of family. And I had an aunt who I love to death and I still love. She's no longer with us. Um, But like she was really, um, she was one of the few people that, I mean, she was still kind of a part of this family unit that sucked. But she like looked out for me, and she, and she was really riding my ass about college when I was dropping out. And uh, she was like, "He'd stay in school," which I get. I mean, I would tell nine time nine out of ten people to stay in college. But um, I was like, "College isn't going to give me what I need to do what I want, um, and I'm not going to be happy." And like, I know what I need to do. And I remember she, she we were emailing, and she was like, "Life isn't about being happy. You need to worry about making a living." And, like, that was when I, like, had this, like, fundamental, like, profound feeling of, like, you and I are on totally different wavelengths. And, like, up until I started tattooing, my dream, I know this sounds pathetic, but, like, my dream was, like, all right, I'm going to play in a band for, like, five to six years. We're going to tour. I might have a a bedroom in an apartment with some friends if I'm lucky. I'm going to meet everyone I need to meet. I'm going to stop playing music, and I'm going to be a bartender and a show promoter, and that's going to be my life, and I'm going to maybe find an apartment above a pizza shop or a coffee shop or something or a diner, and it's going to be fucking awesome, and I'm going to have a messenger bag with a laptop, and that's my life. Um, so, yeah, like the tattoo – I always tell people tattooing allows you to stay a, stay just enough of a kid or allows you to be an a, adult enough to stay a kid forever. Yeah. I can I can agree with that. Seeing like seeing from personal experience, hearing you talk now and then other guys too, seeing that like 
living their life in the 30s now, enjoying what they do, but still making a living, right? Like that's like the end of the mm-hmm. day. And you can't say that for many dudes, but again, the road to get to where you are today wasn't fucking easy. Like, <sighs> bro. <laughs> no, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I have a feeling you would say it's worth it. Absolutely. I yeah. wouldn't trade any, like, especially like meeting my wife and like, so, I, I mean, so funny enough, without tattooing, I'd have never gotten into lifting weights. That's, I never yeah. lifted a weight until I was, tw- uh, I'm 32. So I was 24. Um, so I was a couple years into tattooing and this like dude at the time was like kind of famous in tattooing and like had a shop in Portland, Oregon. I was like, we're hiring. And I was real shitty, but I was like, I've always, I'm that dude. I'm just like, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Fuck it. And I'm like, Hey, I'll, I'll move out there and work. <laughs> and, uh, he fucking called me and gave me a job and, um, the whole shop worked out. All of them worked out. It was like real weird to me at the time. Um, and I was, I was really not healthy at all. I was like fat and, uh, just living like, like the most atypical tattoo where I'd like work and then I'd go to the bar and like fucking down wings and burgers and beer. And then when I'd wake up the next morning, I'd like go to like a Chinese buffet for lunch and then like have a nap until a tattoo came in. So I moved out to Portland, Oregon and I weighed about 225. and they're like, we're going to teach you to tattoo better. You're going to learn how to paint flash the traditional way. And you're going to, you're going to get in shape. And I was like, do I have to? And they're like, we do it all. We do it all together. I'm like, whatever. And I got, it was just like tattooing. I like started and it was like kind of rocky the first few weeks. And then I was like, man, this is like fucking fun. And then like, they're like, all right, well now you got to work on your eating. And I was like, oh, well this isn't fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, I went from like 225 to 170 in about 120 days. Damn. Um, yeah. Fucking super dramatic. What? Like the diet that was is. too much. The diet was a lot, and I was lifting weights, but I was also, it was just the most like atypical sort of like body build shred approach. Like, fuck carbs. Uh, <laughs> it was like black coffee, chicken, steak. Um, uh, I'd get a smoothie right at the gym because they had a smoothie bar, and I think I would, ha- I'd have a banana or two and a Snickers and black coffee. And that, that was it. And like shit tons of cardio and like some, like a fair amount of dumbbell, a lot of dumbbell stuff. And then a, some like barbell work. Um, but yeah, dude, it like, it was fast in retrospect. Like I would not have done it that way, but it was a learn, it was a learning experience. So um, that leads us into this though, due to now, because of the fact that like, did they teach you strongman there or did you actually, no. yeah. Like yeah, what so got you into I like, that? I, yeah. So I like did it. I did all that. Moved back to Tennessee. Um, showed up thin as shit. I thought I looked ripped. I was just thin because I, I really didn't have any muscle. I was. I mean, skinny I looked fat. way different. Yeah, it's easy to have abs when you're skinny, right? Yeah, well, I didn't you even know? have abs. That's what's crazy. So like, I make weight at 175. I walk around anywhere between 182 to 186. Um, 186 is like heavy for me, um, and I look leaner now than I did at 170 just because I didn't have I literally had no muscle so I just looked I didn't look like skinny fat I just looked thin um I was just really I was just like I mean it was a feat of a sort but like I was really yeah I look good like I didn't look bad but I definitely don't look fucking good (laughs) um but so I moved back and what I will say is like the approach I took was real weird in Portland but like my buddy that was showing us how to work out he made us like work hard like did lots of box jumps and like like I was fucking getting it every day. Um, then I got a gym membership at a place in Tennessee and was working out for probably about another six to eight months and was like, man, this is I'm like fucking bored here. 
Um, and then someone I knew there was training people like West Side style, like with Sweet. bands and chains. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know how I want to do all that. But um then they I started doing what I would now call CrossFit. So the gym had like a weight area, and then you guys have probably seen gyms, they have like a rubber track around the weight area. Mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I like started looking at stuff online and like again in, in, in retrospect, I was watching CrossFit videos, I just didn't know it. Um and people, I like started, um, I would like do stuff like, uh, I would like start bench pressing. I would do like a set on the bench and then I would just fucking run a lap as fast as possible. <laughs> and then I like, sit down <laughs> on the bench and like die a little bit inside. And then like, all right, I'm gonna do that like one or two more times. Um, and then like, then I like found CrossFit, um, like full fledged. I think so. I, I was in Tennessee. I was about an hour from where Rich Froning is. Um, so there were fucking CrossFit gyms popping up left and right. And my buddy that was teaching people conjugate opens a CrossFit gym. And I'm like, I'll check that out. Because I thought I was like looking for like an outlet. I'm like, I am working out a fuck ton. In retrospect, not nearly. I'm working out way more now than I was then. I was like, I'm working out a lot. I should like do something. Um, and I <laughs> oh, God, I'm an idiot. I saw so Rich Froning won in his first year in like 11 or 12, I think. Yeah. And he was on the cover of some fucking magazine. And I remember seeing a picture of him, and it was like, fittest man in the world. And I was like, that dude. <laughs> I was like, I bet I could fucking do CrossFit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. And uh, I go to my buddy's CrossFit gym, and I'm like asking, and like they've got Atlas Stones and stuff. And uh, yeah, I was all in from there. So like 2014, I, I, was, I moved to Nashville and signed up at a CrossFit gym. And I was like, all right. I'm going to do a year of classes and then a year of like competition training because I had been listening to a bunch of podcasts. And that's what everyone said. They're like, get the low hanging fruit. So I did that, did CrossFit, and then a year of competition training. And I was like, self slated my, I gave myself a timeline like, all right, you're going to be at the 2017 regional. That That's the goal. And a lot fucking changed in CrossFit in those couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Uh, and like, I was making killer progress for me, but like, I did that full year of competition training, like under like a five, like an OPT coach and was like doing two a days. Like, the program was awesome. I was in fucking awesome shape, getting strong as shit. And all the while, Strongman was in the background. And I remember we did a competition and I didn't win like at all. <laughs> I didn't even win an, uh, an event or a heat and I had made tons <laughs> of progress. And I was like, I, I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to work this hard and feel like this. Like that's huge. I'd rather just do CrossFit for fun and get, get 30th out of 30. Like at this point, like, um, and then I was kind of lost, and then we moved to Durham, and Durham, not a lot of people know, is slowly becoming, and in my opinion, is the unofficial capital of Strongman right now. Damn. Um, so while all that CrossFit shit's going on with me, I, I had heard about the 175 weight class for Strongman. I had always kept my eye on it, and I remember my wife and I were having a conversation in the kitchen, and this sounds so dramatic for like a fucking amateur athlete, but I was like, I want to... I need a new sport. Like I'm fucking. I don't want to do CrossFit anymore. Like I'm. I'm too old. I don't have. I don't. I'm too old against this field. I'm not old, but like I can't keep up with a 21 year old that didn't get drafted to the NBA or a fucking NFL. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't want to do like I don't want to do the stuff to get me better. 
anymore. Like I liked it at first, but now I'm like, I don't want to go through all that again. And in theory, I'd have to do more. I don't want to do it. Um, and that, and that like, and like my goal was just regionals. My goal was to be the last dude at regionals. <laughs> so like, dude, there's people that are doing 10 times as much with better genetics and are younger. They're vying essentially for that same spot. Like, I just don't want to do it. Um, and moved to Durham and signed up for a strongman. And I like told my wife, I was like, I want to go to the Arnold. And I think I, I think I have a good shot at making a run at, at like being a pretty good 175 strongman. And she was like, eh, maybe, who knows? You're going to have to work for it no matter what you do. Like giving me that talk. And I was like, yeah. But um, yeah, I fucking signed up for the 2016 NC Strength Challenge and did it. And I mean, technically I won, but like I was also the only one in my weight class. <laughs> so like they were like, they're like, yeah, we're going to give you the first place medal. But Lynn, the organizer was like, you did really good. Like I, I compared your scores to the weight class above you and you, you did great. I'm like, cool. <laughs> um, but like, I loved it. The training was awesome. Like it's, it's, uh, uh, I, I think I'm right where I need to be weight class wise, sport wise. Like I was never, I never had the best maximal strength. Um, I've always, for the most part, I've always been pretty strong. Um, I, I started CrossFit with like a 365 back squat, which nice. isn't amazing at all, but that's still like, strong for to, a beginner. Yeah. For somebody walking into CrossFit, that wasn't bad. Um, but then, like, even at my most cross-fittedness, my aerobic engine was good, but never that great. Um, and my maxes um, were good. But I was just – I'm just better at the strongman thing, man. Just, like, high power output repeatedly, like, 20 to 75 seconds. Um, and my my coach would say um, – I mean, in this past weekend confirmed it. Like, in my weight class, for sure, possibly in strongman out – out of all the weight classes, I, I, I'm at a, I, in my opinion, I have the best engine and ability to like reproduce power than anyone in the sport. Yeah. Um, in that, in that time zone. Um, but, uh, I fucking love it. Um, and it's always been in the background. And then I think, I think doing the few years of CrossFit was huge for me though. I was about to get uh -huh. into that. That's cause I had a guy, I just, we dropped an apex program just, uh, this past year, which is kind of like a hybrid style training program, but it's more focused on like being able to do everything you love to do, right? Like go out and run, go out and swim, go and yep. do all that cool stuff. And this which guy was the idea of cross. Uh, that was the idea of the CrossFit, um, back in the day, back, back in of the day. CrossFit as a methodology, not as CrossFit as a sport, right? Mm -hmm. Which people need to fucking learn is the fundamental difference. Thank There's you, a Cody. huge difference. <laughs> That's a huge, like we, we talk about that all the time now. It's like, I want to be able to go out and do everything, not just be stuck in this fucking four walls, and that's the only thing I'm fucking good yep. at, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and sometimes I do a 400 in between my snatches. <laughs> it's not like, the same thing. Not the same thing. Count. Yeah. yeah. Well, going back to this guy, this guy uh, David, he came into the gym this past week, but he ended up running a 50. He ended up going from a straw man, dropped from 220 pounds down to 200 pounds, ended up uh, running a 50k with like 8k invert. Five weeks later, he ends up taking first at a straw man competition in North Carolina. Out there. Yeah. What's and, his name? Uh, David Bandon. David Bandon. Baden. Baden. Sorry, Baden. Sorry, Baden. Yeah, David Baden. Okay. He's an army cat. Uh, yeah, he's an army okay. cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a logistics dude. When did um, he? When was the strongman thing? What he, month? It was last year sometime. It was. Uh, it was this year. I'm sorry. Um, it was sometime in March. Uh, March or July time frame. When was the last like strongman competition that wasn't super big? In this North year. Carolina? Yeah, this year. Uh, there was. There's been one or two for USS, um, near Fayetteville, and then I did NC Strongest in April, 
I think it was the April the title. I think it was that one. I'm not too sure which one it Maybe, was. Maybe, yeah. Dude, that's a tough weight class, too. He did under 200. Uh, he was at right 200, but he ended up taking first in his weight class six weeks later. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I'm saying he probably he probably made weight at under 200, though, and I'm went with that sure. weight yeah, class. Yeah, 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 yeah that's a tough weight class, dude. And yeah, uh, That's awesome. Yeah, dude, and, and the funny thing is the big, and the reason why I bring this up is because he goes back to, he's like, dude, if it wasn't for all the aerobic work I did, I wouldn't have been able to recover between my events nope. and sustain yep. the power output that I have put out. And Absolutely. This is, and this has kind of gone into this new kick that I'm at right now is where, like, Everyone looks at aerobic work as like this high intensity fucking output when realistically it's not, dude. It's like, hey, nope. you know, you need to be sitting in zone one, zone two, keeping your heart rate below 140 beats per minute because yep. of the fact that we're just trying to teach your heart how to cycle through and produce yep. this funnel so they can handle the higher outputs to be repeatable, i.e., in strongman like you're talking about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, so even within my weight class, and I think, I mean, I don't know. This might sound like I don't know all the science terms. I, I think I have a very a pretty good understanding of the basics and fundamentals of some of this stuff. I don't know all the names though, but like I do think it's it's weird to me for my weight class and even the under two hundreds. Like, yeah, dude, you were like so an under two hundred and a one seventy five athlete. You're lifting heavy heavy weight. Well, let's put that in quotes. Heavy weights, challenging weights is a better way of putting it. Three to four times a week you're not in shape. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. That makes no sense to me. And like, um, you see it literally as the athletes get heavier, you see it more and more. I think uh, with the 175ers, it's a lot less common. I just think it's, I think because of the toll that the weights take on the 175ers, it puts us in better shape, like just kind of yeah. all around. But like, that's what I, I, I mean, the key to me, my success has been that like I stay in shape. Yeah. Like, cause if I'm not healthy and in shape, I can't recover from the ass kickings I get. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what, I, what's also funny is like people think that like just doing event work, like, Oh, well I'm going to do this 60 second event. Like, nah, man, that's science. Like the, what is it? The phosphate system, like this yeah. all out shit does not feed into the aerobic work, no. whereas the aerobic work feeds into the phosphate all out work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's huge. And more more and more athletes are like starting to really I mean, Terry Hollins, Robert O'Burst, all these big name dudes, they're like these dudes are dropping weight, like a noticeable amount of weight because they're and, doing aerobic work. Yeah, well, and just they're probably fucking eating better. Probably. Yeah. I mean, probably. Even if they aren't, they're probably yeah, they're burning more calories, so in essence they're living healthier a little yeah. bit. But dude, Robert O'Burst just got fifth at World's Strongest Man. That's the best place thing he's had by a fucking country mile. Damn. Um, and he's lost like a not insignificant amount of weight. Same thing with Terry Hollins. Uh, he's at Worlds and he wins Britain's Strongest Man. Like, he's the real deal. And that dude went from like kind of looking what you'd imagine you, they look like and now he's got abs. So, yeah. and, and it's yeah. funny, dude, is like a lot of people are like, oh, I want to get shredded and I want to do this and that. They're like, I'm going to go ahead and go on this low carb diet and fucking <sighs> let me just go drive myself <laughs> into the ground. That's our, yeah, one of dude. our pet peeves here. Yeah. Well, and I, I used to like swear by it because yeah. I was like the most atypical, like muscle and fitness. Like I like, dude, at one point I was like, it was like a game. Like how little of carbs can I go for, yeah. for how long? And like, I would like fucking, so I never drank coffee before I worked out and I discovered black, the black, I was a lot of black coffee when I was on that diet in Portland. So 
I moved to Tennessee, and we're next to a Starbucks, and I wanted, I was like having like a cheat or whatever, and I was like, I want one of those fucking monstrosity coffees you guys have, like one of those like cold ones. And I, what I wanted was a Frappuccino. <laughs> I didn't know what Basically it was called. Basically like sugar ice cream coffee. It's a coffee ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, it's a coffee milkshake, which is fine. Hey, man, sometimes so you need good. it. That shit, yeah. It doesn't not taste good. <laughs> um, but uh, I was like, yeah, blah, blah. I'm like trying to tell them what I want, and they give me an iced coffee. Uh, by accident, and I'm like, oh, that's not what I wanted. And I like took a sip. I was like, man, that's good as shit. And so this was when I was really into low carb dieting. And so this was the summer they came out with the Trenta, the oh, thirty yeah. ounce. Yeah, man, what a great summer. Uh, so <laughs> I was basically like eating chicken, steak, cans of tuna, um, with like man, like the little lunch to go tuna setups. You know, the poor man and diet, bro. You yeah. were like keto before it was cool. Yeah, I was keto. I yeah. <laughs> you're welcome, everyone. Um, and also, <laughs> I was having three Trenta iced coffees a day. Stop. Fuck. Yeah, because we were next door to Starbucks. 90, 90 ounces. That sounds yeah. really dangerous for Bro, your heart, <laughs> dude. So like, this was the height of like my tattooing in Tennessee. Like, I was single. I was like really my. Again, we were talking about this before we started. I, I'll get like real myopic. Um, um, and I had like started building a clientele and I would have an appointment at 10 in the morning and then I would like have my breakfast, AKA like four eggs. Um, and then I do walk-ins amidst some appointments and then I would have an appointment at 8 PM and then, then I would go to a diner and have steak and eggs and then I would go to bed. Then <laughs> I would wake up in the morning. I was so like, just I, in retrospect, I it had, I thank God I didn't listen to or read Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss because dude, I would wake up and I would like, <laughs> I'm like embarrassed to talk about this. People need to hear it. I literally, I used, you remember when muscle farm came out with a salt pre-workout when like muscle farm oh, was like, yeah, big? Oh, yo, I used to blend like in a blender with a can of Red Bull, sugar-free Red Bull. Holy no. shit. Yeah. I would go to the gym and I had a watch, like a little gym watch, like a shitty like Timex or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I'm only anabolic for one hour. And I would just try <laughs> and get in as much as I could at the gym in one hour and the fucking thing would beep. And I'm like, all right, anything after that, degrading muscle tissue. And I would go to work and just, I did that day in and day out, day in and day out. And then one day... <laughs> I was getting, I started my, uh, my torso piece and I'm like driving from Asheville and I felt great, felt great all day. And just, I'm driving and I literally like no bullshit, like movie style driving. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And just, I don't know if, I don't know where pass out and fall asleep becomes one, like where, where's the line? <laughs> but like I literally, like my head hit my steering wheel and I almost drove off the side of the goddamn mountain. That's terrifying. Um, and I'm like, oh man, I'm probably drinking too much caffeine. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh no, I'll just won't drink coffee for a little bit. So went about a day without drinking any coffee, felt fine. And then on that second day, um, I thought I had the flu. Oh, shit. And I was going through fucking caffeine withdrawals and like my fucking back hurt. I was just like shivering and I'm like, what is wrong? And one of my friends was like, man, what are you like a doper? What are you going to say, bro? You, want, you coming up that dope pie, bro? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And, uh, I like started. I'm like, oh, man, because I, I knew funny enough. I, I, I'd had a friend that was on drugs on heroin and I saw him go through withdrawals and I was like, oh, shit. And I looked up like is caffeine withdrawals a thing? And yes, it fucking mm -hmm. is. And I was fucking having them. It's a real thing. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, dude, fuck low carb diets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can all agree on that one, I think. Right. Yeah. But yeah. going back to it now, dude. So sorry, now, I go on tangents. Oh, no, I apologize. We do it all the time, we bro. That's it. why we said the show's about you, though. So you, you tangents keep going. But going back to like the whole idea of strongman and utilizing like the CrossFit aspect of really building it. And I got buddies who have come from OPEX, and I got buddies who train for other coach like other places, and they're really big on the aerobic system, on developing the aerobic system, yep. right? Like OPEX is one of the first. Dude, you know, the OPT aerobic uh, protocol oh. is awesome yeah dude they, they, like that's they were the first ones like in the crossfit community to be like hey crossfit's an endurance sport let's go ahead and start focusing on zone one and zone two training yep. and everything else like that and everyone kind of pushed it away so a lot of guys that were seeing big results in that time frame were because of the again the big dogs blog is actually back yeah. now they created they made the differences in the two between OPT. Dude, trying to make some of these like monsters like listen you're gonna row like 250 meters like just a casual pace you're gonna do some wall walks like some like 50 pound single arm overhead kettlebell like no i'm not that's pointless like all right bye yeah <laughs> literally right but that, that was yeah. a huge base for you dude like that was your foundation yeah. to go into strongman to be able to see like now it's yep. like because it also I'm, taught me like yo you have to, if you want to be good at a sport like you're gonna have to do a bunch of boring bullshit yeah like just the way it is mm -hmm. can you say that again cody just a bunch of boring bullshit, yeah. and that's just the way it is. It, it, it yeah. literally is because of the fact yeah, that... Dude. And it's like, yeah, like every now and then, like the boring bullshit can be cool because it's like you get a pump or something. You're like, yeah, I feel fucking huge. But like, you know what You know what it usually is? It's boring. Like, dude, my fucking coach, the first year we worked together, like he like very clearly saw like where I needed help with. And like, I was like, I want to go to the Arnold. And I want to show up to nationals. And I want to fucking wreck shit. Let's go. And he's like, all right, that's fine. But what we're going to have you do is we're going to do like 30 minutes on the bike and you're going to do some jumping single leg RDLs. I'm Fuck like, this yeah. sucks. <laughs> but I fucking did it and it's paid off huge. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's cool, man. I, I was I was talking with uh, Jamie about about Strongman too because, you know, she's she's fucking all into Strongman too with her stuff. And I was asking her about it. I was like, did you mean do like any full aerobic work back in her time frame? And she was like, no, dude. She's like, my aerobic work that I knew of was just high intensity power output work, you know, in that time frame. And, and that's what it seems like a lot of old school strongman coaches are actually in that realm of like, well, what the fuck is aerobic work? Let's just go ahead yeah. and just train, you know, and a lot of it's, you know, either conjugate method or let's go and train, you know, powerlifting method and then throw a vent yeah. day into it, which is not yep. wrong. Like I've interned under Chad Wilson Smith and he's a big time strongman guy and that's what he pushes, yeah. but he's also a big time Charlie Francis guy who really believes in the low yeah. high method. I've seen the J dude, the, the JTS like template for strongman oh. set on, like there's an aerobic day yeah. and like they do like, um, you know, like your moving events are going to be time-based and not weight based. Like, um, that it's slowly becoming, I mean, Kale Beck who runs starting strongman and starting strongman.com. Um, like he was one of the first, if not the first, like well-known 175 er And he said like the two, the, his pinnacle years was when he was most in shape. And it was when he had a job that was like surveying for like a city in California. And he was like, I walked 17 miles a day surveying cow pastures. And like, I didn't need to do aerobic work because that's what I was doing yeah. all day. But he's like, it's no surprise, like, that why? that's why I was so successful because I was so in shape and, like, I was able to recover. Yeah, um, it's... It's huge, man, and, and I think that's a big thing right now too. A lot of a lot of strength athletes don't want to touch is that aerobic work. Like they're like, if I yeah. do aerobic work, I'm gonna lose my gains. It's like, bro, you can yeah. realistically go out and walk for 30 minutes to 60 minutes, three days a week, and yeah. that can be a starting step for you, right? Um, I, yeah. I got into a 
uh, a Facebook concert, uh, a Facebook argument with a guy who is a big time, and, and it happens all the time, right? And I try and avoid him as much as possible. Boy, doesn't it? <laughs> Welcome yeah. to 2018. Yeah, like, but I was trying to avoid it, but it just ended up going down to talking about this dude was talking about like how how aerobic work, development work doesn't help an athlete out; it hinders an athlete, right? And the dude, the dude straight up was like, well, you know. If you go ahead and cut their aerobic workout a certain time period going into a meet, then I can see how it works. And it's like, no, realistically, like that's the most time you want to keep that aerobic work in there because you're yeah. either going to start tapering the guy off from yeah. all the heavy weight and strength work that you're going to want to keep them keep their fitness. Another big yeah. thing people don't realize is that low aerobic work that we're talking about right now, where you jump on the bike for 30 minutes and do some wall walks and fucking overhead kettlebell walks and all that stuff, is actually just structural work to help keep you strong going into yep. your meet during that taper. It's also the easiest way to like add low imp like low hanging fruit volume. Yeah. Like when I make the most progress on like my big lifts, like my log and my deadlift, my fucking pro progressions on the deadlift itself don't really change that much. Like, you know, one you know, week one's like a bunch of singles, week two some triples. Like if you do the math on the tonnage and everything, it's it's identical basically. Yeah. But he has like my uh, primers and my warm, like my, I spend a lot of time warming up, but like my primer after my warm up, the the volumes added in there, yeah, more than anything. So like I'm basically going into like the same, I'm going into the same deadlift workout, just a little more fatigue, but not enough that I like notice. Um, and I think doing stuff like that's easy. Like you know what what you don't necessarily. I mean, the stronger somebody gets, and the more they're pushing, they're like body's potential like that's that's where things get a little more complicated most people aren't doing that no so like um why are we fucking making people grind out like five by fives at like 85 percent when it's like yo dude just fucking go on a walk <laughs> yeah like also if you're an amateur athlete you're probably like super up your own ass so you probably need to go on a walk with your fucking wife and kids anyway or your husband and kids or your dog who's Thank probably you. fucking deprived of attention anyway so like this is probably going to help you out in a myriad of ways 100 that's a good way to look at it that's yeah. that is a really good way to look at it right is because yeah. of the fact that a lot of these things that you talk about low-hanging fruit is fucking free literally yeah, right? dude. it's free we talk about sleep we talk about recovery we talk about nutrition we Dick. talk about stress management cope management like coping strategies that's my coach's job my coach's job is not to program well i mean it is but like more so it's like I, I text or call him, and I'm like, this is everything I have going on in my life right now. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, um, what do you want to do? Yeah. And then what what am I going to do to alleviate stress? Yep. So, like, he's the only time he does, like, that, like, Rudy movement, like, this is what we trade for. It's literally, <laughs> like, Liz was, like, on Saturday when he's, when, like, at the event. Any when other time, time. When it's game time. Any other time, he's like... You know, like, all right, well, we're just going to move this up a week, you know, and maybe you have to do like a uh, like a really hard session to combine this. But that's easier than you like freaking the fuck out, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and it's worked out way better. 100 percent. And you know what, man, it, it doesn't it takes a while for a coach to really kind of hone in on that with an athlete. I know. For instance, like with me, I know that it does take a little bit to kind of learn the athlete and be like, okay, cool. Like I can't dose them this way. Let's go ahead and figure out what your lifestyle is like. And it might take a couple of weeks or whatever else. But once you kind of get that understanding down, you're like, all right, cool. This is what's working for them. This is what's not. Oh, we can actually push them harder here. Um, it's just a progress, right? It's just a process between working with people. And that's one thing that we really try and push you with softly with the programming with our athletes and everything else is like, look, guys, like even though it says it on paper, if you have a fucking stressful day, a hard day, it doesn't mean you have have to go in there and drop the fucking hammer 
how about you go ahead and you know, if you're feeling good, but not 100%, how about you just drop the intensity and the volume there, get the movement work in, and then go ahead and get done for the day. If you feel like complete shit, how about stop doing the programming, go for a walk with your family, because, or whatever else, because those things are actually going to be more beneficial for you than actually going into the gym and wasting that fucking hour of training. Yeah, but you're fighting that convention. Yeah, that absolutely. Conventional thinking well, all if you want to know what it is, that, dude, is like, I think, like, well, one, like, let's just be clear here, being like any type of a f- like fitness or barbell athlete like is really difficult to make a job and and being a coach or a trainer doesn't count as that no but like someone making a living for performing a lift or or being a crossfitter or being a strong man like there's like literally like may a, a dozen well crossfit's a little different now because they're paying out like the top 20 but like even then like making a living as doing that like there's like a dozen people per sport, maybe, you know, like even the people on the USAW team that get stipends, like that's not their, fu- like no. in terms of like what they're like, what the fucking IRS looks at is what they do for a living. That's not what they do. Um, so like, I think people try and like push that, like they like push that type of a system on people that like, do these people have jobs? Like I have a fucking job. I have a fucking wife who I love my best friend. I have a fucking dog. I think rocks. Like I can't. And, and, it's just like you can't push people like, like you can't train fucking Steve from Raleigh like Ed Cohn, even if it's Ed Cohn's first year training logs. Like you just can't like one. That's not the same guy Two, like this is a grown adult who probably didn't fucking work out till he was in his 20s. Um, it's the same thing with tattooing. Like even if somebody that drew their whole life and could draw tattoos the way they need to draw at the gates like we talked about, like. I'm not going to have you draw, like, if, if I'm never going to apprentice anyone, but if I did, like, even if somebody was, like, could draw my tattoos for me, awesome, like, you're not going to draw back pieces and sleeves and leg sleeves and all that shit, like, you're going to draw, you're going to draw a skull with a rose, and you're going to draw a heart with a banner, like, because it's low-hanging fruit, you're going to have to do that stuff anyway, so you might as well just get really good at that, so... It's the well, same and thing. That's, I mean, that's that's essentially you're, you're building athletic discipline. And I think it's interesting yeah. how you blend kind of the the art of tattooing, which very much mirrors the the art of your training in strongman. And and I think that's that's kind of like the valuable lesson to take away is that I think for a lot of people, especially the ones doing softly programming, what we've what we've tried to shift towards is that that low hanging fruit being like the activity of their choice. Right. So you have like everyone has their activity that they love doing outside of the gym, whether that's mountain biking, trail mm-hmm. running, you know, whatever. And, and everyone's everyone's trying to look to blend that yeah. with their gym time. And and I and, and that's and I'm glad like I'm, you know, because I, I started CrossFit back in man, back when people were like taping rocks together to make wall balls because yeah. there wasn't Fucking like filling up basketballs yeah, with yeah, sand. Exactly. Yeah. Filling up basketballs wow. with sand. And like, I mean, and, the, and you're right. Like, I, I think that's a brilliant point. I think point that's that, called, uh, I think I've heard people call that pre-Bach. Yeah. It was way pre-Bach. That's like back, 2009, that's 10 funny. times. Yeah, back when, back when Reebok was a dying rate. And what's funny, I, I mean, side note, like I actually, I actually found footage I think from the 2009 games in Aromas and just watching like the one rep max snatch attempt with like James Fitzgerald at 165 at the ranch. Yeah, dude. So my friend Sarah that lives here oh, is man. in all that footage. She was fucking there. Her name's Sarah Dunsmore. She's got like a, <laughs> like a not thinning version of my haircut. And uh, she had to, sh- there's a video. She had this dude. <laughs> I don't, I mean, it, CrossFit was in its infancy. This dude had never done 
uh, a heavy snatch. I guess he had done like some of the like light ones. And he's like, oh, I've never done more than like the Metcom <laughs> weight. And there's a video of her like coaching him before yeah. he goes out there yeah. how to no. do it. Like, it's, it's brilliant. And, yeah. and you know, it's it's funny because you're right. You know, that that was back when it was, you know, functional fitness. But, you know, the the CrossFit as a methodology versus CrossFit as a sport, you know, really shifted. And, and it shifted, I think, a lot of people's mindset. Because we have, I mean, a large portion of SoftLeap customers probably like attend a CrossFit box. Like Absolutely. If you, yeah. Because you have access to the equipment, like everything. If you do anything other than powerlifting, you're or bodybuilding, you're probably at a crossfit right. or a gym that has functional a rig fitness room. equipment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like and and but it's and it's funny because that's you know the the temptation is to want to burn it down in all the arenas cuz I think that's yeah. the you know that's the mindset and mantra that's being put up there and, and it's like you know, I, I've always kind of lived by the idea that, you know, training, competing, and practicing are all three different terms, like never to be interchanged Dude, yeah. between each other. And and we and people do that all the time. Like yeah. they go to the gym, they should be practicing, they should be like, you know, like that zone one, zone two cardio. But, you know, ever since the invention of, of Wattify and leaderboards, yeah. like they're vying for that first place spot, yeah. like in their workout class, yeah. not and, in a competition. Yeah. And like, but, and you're right, you're totally right. I agree with all of it. And it sucks because I'm like the I'm uh, I tell everyone I'm the king of the caveat like uh, like no point is ever truly well in terms of exercise no point is ever truly 100 percent wrong like no exercise is wrong it's just are you doing it in the right yeah. is it positioned the right timing um, but like so like I think you know barring if they have injuries and all that and like skate like saying this um uh, it, it includes like you'd have to scale but like. There is a certain there is something to be said for at least a, a certain time period of people just going in and them just like fucking dumping it like oh yeah you oh, know yeah, absolutely yeah. you know and I think like I think James Sichero talks about it for like the first like depending on who you are that first year maybe two depending on where you're coming from like you're gonna get huge gains from just kicking your ass sure. like yourself because I mean ultimately I mean some people. Re- respond very di- like how they perform with like a coach screaming like I'm pretty uh, the only time I perform noticeably different is competition day like gym with a crew or gym with the people it's not that different but like you know you just fucking pushing yourself as hard as you can that particular day like you're gonna get a lot out of it yep. but after a while if your pursuits are to like get better as like an athlete whatever that means to you like mm-hmm. you're gonna have to yeah you gotta roll back yeah. And like you got to and yeah. that and that concept because, you know, because it's and that's like I said, we go back to the concept of athletic discipline is that that rolling back is so hard for people because they, they are so <laughs> used to going in every day yeah. and doing just that. And, and I and I watch it. I, I coach at a local CrossFit gym just, you know, because I get bored in my evenings because I live by myself. Um, <laughs> Jesus but <Christ>. like. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it's, it's, it's literally trying to like almost save the business where it's like, you know, you get these brand new people and they come in here and they're super motivated and you watch them. And I'm like, man, I, I, I give this dude six months. Yeah. I like, I like it when people are, I can just see it, dude. I, I don't know if it's cause I've been like, I've seen, a, I've met. I, I, I tell everybody this and it, it sounds like weird or egotistical or what, but like I can confidently say I've met every type of person there is. Oh, 100%, like, dude. Like, <laughs> if you're in the especially, fitness yeah, industry. you're in the military, but like, 
Well, um, just like I've lived not in America. Like I lived in Honduras as a kid during the drug war. My dad was working for the DEA. Why the fuck I was living down there, I don't know. But like um, <laughs> between just my childhood and then a little bit of that and just my life, I've met every type of person there yeah. is. I've met killers. I've met like, and I'm not talking like people that have a job, like not people in the military, but like I've met like fucking murderers. Yeah. Um, and then I've met like somebody that like I've met the types of people that'll like walk into a fucking burning building covered in gasoline to save a cat. Like I've met every type of person there is. So like I can just see like I love it when I see that person that like comes in that like probably they've probably done like some sort of like boot camp maybe for a minute. They've done something, but not a lot. And then you get like that like fit fan person that's like coming in from like they've probably done every 90 day fucking shred program <laughs> and like all that. And I, I love seeing like the person that like has just as much like quote dedication, but they're just kind of chugging along, man. And they're kind of held back by their own ability, but they're just like fucking having a blast. And they just like slowly, but surely just pass up that fucking fitspo mm -hmm. dude. And because ego or just like, they don't want to, stick with it like i love that and i i just i've always been able to kind of like call it um and uh yeah dude it goes need to chill it goes back <laughs> to this though too cody you know and and chris too going back onto the athletic you know discipline it, i've been very fortunate to one drive myself into the ground and realize like that's not the way to train and, and everyone yeah. here on, on here probably has done that even you brooke i'm pretty sure you've probably driven yourself into the ground and been like why the fuck am i doing this i need to figure a way out and I got really blessed to like work with really good mentors and coaches, you know, who I've interned under and learned from. And when I opened up my own gym, that was the first thing that I was able to sit there and say was like, you know, I'm going to go ahead and educate these people on how not to burn it down every fucking day because of the yeah. fact that like, again, if I'm running a business, the same thing like with you, Cody, like you're running a tattoo, you know, business and you're tattooing on people. You want them to come back because of the fact of the, of the, of one of the job you're doing two, the quality of work you're doing. And three, you gave them something to remember, right? Like yeah. the same yeah. exact thing that would happen with the gym was like, all right, you guys are going to come in every single day. You're going to learn something. I'm going to educate you. You're going to get something out of it and you're going to want to come back. Yeah. Well, also too, like, I mean, I think people with CrossFit, especially like they just forget that basic, like, cause you can trick people into burning it, thinking they're burning it down. Yeah. I think that's a part of it too, especially with like people that are coming in doing the kind of the classic box structure, like hour long class. And, you know, it's almost always warm up skill, skill slash strength, Metcon. And it's like you can trick people into like thinking they're burning it down. And I think like if you're doing a class, that means it needs to be very fucking general. And people just forget like the fundamental is like constantly varied. You know what I mean? And with volume, in my opinion, I always tell people like especially because like every CrossFit gym's got those like few people. And I'm one of those people like the people that are working out alone. They're like following their blog and they're like doing their thing and they're like they probably should still be doing class, but they don't want to be because they think they're on this like trajectory. And it's like, dude, like you can't just like do more like more is like I hate repeating this, but like more is not better. Yeah. Like better is better. And with volume should come variety. That's what I tell people. Yeah. Like yeah. the more if you're doing a lot more shit, but all the same shit, you're that is a fucking like lit fuse. Like it's like the opening to every mission impossible. Like <laughs> we're just like counting down to where Tom Cruise jumps and it explodes at this point. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that, well that comes down to this, right? Exercise variation, right? A lot of yep. people 
and especially CrossFit gyms nowadays, especially we see this exercise variation doesn't exist in their toolbox. Exercise yeah. variation is something that, that a lot of Dude, people, the time zones don't even vary. You, exactly. Right. Like it's like eight to 12 minutes. Go fuck yourself. Like, Boom. Right. And there's like there's no. Yeah. Eight to 12 or not even that 20, 30 minutes are every single fucking class that I've seen out there. Ugh. Right. Like. I, I've, I'm oh, like, it's a partner workout. That's energy system it, work. It, exactly. Right? It's like, <laughs> it's like, well, you're gonna rest during this time period. It's like, no. Like, how about nah. you understand? Like, during this workout, you're gonna maintain 80% effort, and then you're gonna rest for three minutes because now we're focusing on A, B, C, and D, and then from there you're gonna get back and be able to repeat that effort again while we're resting. Yeah. You're making sure that your aerobic system is utilized to help with this repeated effort, right? Um, yeah. One big kick. There's a. Uh, I keep talking about. It. I'm gonna kick right now. You know who Mark Twite is, right, Cody? He's a big time renowned like climber. He he started Jim Jones. He got left there. Now he's oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, there was I'm reading a book right now, and he he wrote a small piece for it called "There's No Free Lunch," and and the way he he categorized no free lunch was that when he was a big time climber r- biker like and all that good stuff, he got out of the aspect of utilizing endurance work and utilizing the low-hanging fruit, right? He never really wanted to work for that. And what he ended up doing was he ended up going through two years of pure high-intensity training. And whenever he went to go look to go compete, he was just getting fucking beat every single time. And then he was trying to race again. He was just getting beat every time just because he wasn't recovering and handling it. So he came down to this understanding there's no thing called free lunch, that you have to earn your lunch. That means you have to earn your power output. You have to earn your high intensity day. So if you're going to go two days of, you know, earning your fruit or earning your lunch, guess what? The next day you get to drop it hard, but guess what the next three days are going to be like? You're earning to go ahead and get that lunch back again. Because again, at the same thing, when we talk about with strongman training, you talk about it, right? You're like, hey, I'm doing two to three days of of aerobic work, and then there's a day where I burn it down, right? Yeah. Well, it's like, I think people forget, like, endurance training, strength training, like, it. people don't see the the connection. They think it's like fucking, it's not apples and oranges. No. It's like, it's like a green apple and a red apple. Like, they're a little different, but they're way more alike. So, like, if you were to tell someone, like, I want you to go in and deadlift 85% for as many reps as possible every single day. They tell you you're a fucking idiot. But if I tell you to go in and do 20, a variation of 21-15-9 five days a week, like one day it's clean and jerks, the other is snatches, and one's got toe to bar and the other's got muscle-ups, like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, fine, that's fine. Like, it's the same thing, like, uh, my aerobic program when I was doing like the OPT thing, like the fucking aerobic progressions progressed week to week, just like fucking strength progressions. Yeah. Like my my week one day one of my aerobic work forty five minutes. Week day day one week two sixty minutes. Yeah. Week three day one seventy five minutes. And the same thing with strength work. So it's like you just have to build upon it. Yeah, and and even too like going back to the whole aspect of building upon and the volume aspect, right? Like, there's some people who believe that you have to build skill intensity then volume, which I think is complete shit. And I believe building yeah, I skill know. and then volume because we can build the skill and then now we look at that volume aspect. We can now throw in so much different exercise variation that develops yeah. this volume to help yeah. with intensity down the road. Right. Yeah. Like, well, everyone, like most people in a gym aren't, their intensity is not held back by like, um, uh, yeah, it's like the, the skill is what's holding back the intensity. Exactly. Right. So, yeah. So they, like, they don't go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the way, the way you can, the way I look at that too, is like, all right, cool. Let's go ahead and develop that skill in that movement mm-hmm. so that when we add more volume to it, it's just, it's literally 
literally just ingraining that skill through that volume. So yeah. when it's time to drop the hammer in that intensity, guess what ends up happening? Now that intensity yeah. of you moving, you're actually going to see the power out of that out of that movement yeah. due to the well, fact that Well, they can the express their engine. I, exactly. Now. Yeah, we can express yeah. how we're moving through that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was like my thing in CrossFit was like they're like, "Oh, you must like the heavy workouts." So I'm like, "No, I fucking don't." <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, but like people would expect me like to like smash like King Kong and stuff, and I couldn't at the time. And it was like the ones I did good at were um, more low skill or the, like the particular skill I was like I was fucking fantastic at muscle ups. Um, so like the there was like an open workout. It was like the best. It was like my best showing in the open was like three bar muscle ups, ten snatches at seventy five. Oh yeah. And I fucking annihilated that workout um, because I could fucking I can do three bar muscle ups. Maybe not now, um, but I can do three bar muscle ups like in my fucking sleep. And then ten seventy five pounds snap. Like at that point, like I don't have to worry about skill or strength. It's just like, all right, how long can I hang on to this barbell for? Yeah, you know what I mean. Because I had drilled the skill of touching your snatches and bar muscle ups. Definitely. So so. Moving on now, let's go and talk. You said you wanted to mention a little bit of this kind of the stuff that you're going to be doing coming up here uh, this coming year, right? You're going to be doing some yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So 2018 was definitely like my most ambitious year. Um, I want to thank, number one, I want to thank my wife um, because like, uh, you know, my life, my, the hierarchy of my life is my marriage, my job, and then like third or fourth or fifth or whatever, whatever comes after those two, like at some point that's being an athlete. There's definitely times of the year where it doesn't seem that way, and my wife tells me that, and I'm, I'm grateful. And um, but this year, I've I've definitely done the most, and I've I've definitely done the most like uh, prolific amount of tattooing in terms of size and scale, and pushing myself artistically. And I've done I've competed my a shit ton. Um, and this past weekend was the first time I didn't uh, podium, um, but it was it was a big deal. So it's yeah, um, but. Um, just got confirmed a while back. Um, we got to kind of get some branding finished up. But uh, in April of 2019, um, I'm going to be hosting a health and wellness seminar for tattooers or peers or kind of anybody in a high pace, fast lifestyle. But it's catered for tattooers. Um, we're going to go over self-care, like mobility and stuff like that, uh, focusing on shoulder, low back, and wrists. Hell yeah. Um, some like day-to-day, -day, like during the workday nutrition stuff. Um, and then just a little bit on exercise. I kind of feel like if you're focusing on those first two, your exercise style or choice, like it's just like we said, low hanging fruit. Like, um, that'll be actually, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. That's going to be the one with the least amount of discussion. Uh, and it's mostly going to be self care and nutrition. Um, and I'm also moving, my wife and I are moving to Northern Virginia. Oh. Um, in like fucking three weeks, <laughs> we just found out. Um, so we're excited about that, but yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, that's the big thing in 2019. I'm hoping, um, I'm not gonna, I don't think I want to make that seminar thing into like something I do for a living. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. All I know is I want to do it. Um, and kind of that's me giving back to the tattoo industry because it's given, given me everything. That's fucking that's awesome. amazing. Yeah. Where are you going to do that? It's going to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, at the Imperial Tattoo Convention, which is put on by Inksmith and Rogers Tattoo. They've been around since 1984 or five. That's my, that shop in particular is uh, th the way they do things is like kind of how I model my career. I try to, um, it's like 
the it's like they're one of the names in tattooing. Yeah. Um, so like the fact that it's a convention they put on and that they were like, yeah, dude, do it. And I when I go down there to get tattooed, they're always like, you got to come a day early and take us all to the gym. Like <laughs> it's kind of very uh, like kind of come full circle for me in a lot of ways. So I'm, I'm hoping to at least do that one. And I'm hoping that's the one to like uh, doing it at a few more bigger name conventions. So. Yeah. Dude, let me, is, so awesome. uh, is it gonna be open to the public to, for this, or is it just gonna be for tattoo artists? So I, I, so here's the deal. I'm gonna be at the convention. I'm gonna have a booth, and I'm gonna have times for okay. whenever we uh, can get me into the ballroom to give this. And if any anyone can do it, um, what I'm what I'm hope what the what we've got now. My wife's been help, so my wife uh, was a, is a has a PhD, and she was a professor for a long time. Um, so she's been helping me on the structure and how we're gonna do it. But my goal is we're gonna go. We're gonna do like an intro all three subject matters and I want everyone to leave with like literally everything in a packet that we go over and I want them to leave with like um, some mobility tools and stuff to so that they could literally walk out the front door and start doing what I told them, taught them, informed them about and anyone can do it. I'm not going to charge much, um, may not charge anything. I don't know. Um, we're going to see. Um, uh, it's for me, it's more about just getting it out there. Hell so yeah, yeah absolutely. Dude, we definitely That's have so to get exciting. you back on the show, dude, for a part two, I think. Uh, I know. Yeah, I would yeah. love to, man. So if people have questions about any of this stuff or want to get in touch, what's the best way to reach you? So uh, best way, you can do CodyAble.com. It's got my email and stuff on. I'll be updating that here soon, especially with me moving. Um, Cody underscore Abel, A-B-E-L-L on Instagram. Um, those are probably the two best ways. Um, they both have my email and stuff on it. Um, CodyAbleTattoo at Gmail. Um, yeah, Uh Give me a follow. Um, Bull City CrossFit here in Durham is kind of like my only like sponsor. Um, they are like family to me. Um, and so I just want to give them a shout out. And I'm sure you're going to miss them when you move. Dude, they're, I'm not going to lie, bro. They're a great gym. When I, when I, when we, when I started coming out here last year a lot, um, I yeah. used to come train in there. I think I met, I don't know, you weren't never in there when I came in and trained. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but dude, um, their gym fucking, they're such a great community. Dude, I, I, so I've probably been a member of like a, like a contracted member of about four or five CrossFit gyms, give or take, just with me moving. Um, I've never experienced what I've, ex what I've experienced there anywhere. It's it's what people talk about, like that I always would hear about. Like I think <laughs> with CrossFit getting so popular, like there's a lot there's a lot of not ideal things that can go down at a CrossFit gym amongst the members, and then members and management and owners and like. Bull City has done such a good job of just, and it's just intentionally just trying to have a good place for everybody, man. Like, it's literally a family there. And, like, they have, I, I told Jack, the owner, I said, I think I'm a new strongman. And he was like, oh, that's awesome. Because they already had some stuff. And I did that first contest. And he, they come out to every, I'm going to start crying. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, they, they've come to every one of my shows. Um, and Jack came to the first one. And Jen and everybody, his wife. And I got done, and the next day he was like, what do you need? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what equipment do you need? And I was like, man, I'm not going to start asking for shit. And he's like, I don't care. I want to know what you need. And I was like, well, I could use this, this, and this, and this. And he had it in a week. That's amazing, um, dude. Yeah, dude. And to this day, he bought me a stone of steel. I don't know if you've seen that. You know what a stone of steel is? No. Bro, this thing, <laughs> is, anyone can be into this. So you, there's Atlas stones, right? So now... 
uh, I'm uh, there's this thing called a stone of steel that somebody makes, and imagine like a World War II submarine bomb, and you can crack this thing open with a tool and load plates inside of it. And then, so yeah, so instead of having like 28 fucking stones that three people use once a year, you can have like one or two, and you can just load it up to whatever size you need. That's it is cool. Awesome, Solid. and they are a tank, and they have a keg version of it too. It's super awesome. They're pricey, but they are tanks um and you can't use well i mean i guess you could use tacky on them i don't know if people know what tacky is it's sticky shit we use for stones um but you don't use tacky on them so they stay clean um and they are awesome damn so i would put that on the christmas wish like list cool for the tool. softly gym i know yeah, I was gonna say. yeah. <laughs> cool so. toys for softly hq yeah absolutely so yeah bull city and then yeah um yeah bull city and my wife man and then my, my coach is like ha- takes the least smart maybe not i don't know my coach doesn't have a website his instagram is like him working out sometimes mostly him and his kid and that's it <laughs> um that's cool so i don't he doesn't really like have like a i mean also he's he's definitely not taking any 175 strongman athletes so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah awesome so. dude Hey man, really, yeah, man. really it's appreciate you. Yeah. yeah, appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us today, man. Like no, said, this was awesome, man. Yeah, the facility here is great. Got all these fucking awesome Mike Dorsey tattoo prints. That like totally caught me off guard. Loving it. Yeah, dude. So I mean, yeah, we had to get you on the show, man, for part two. I think would be really cool. Just kind of dive deep into some uh, some more mindset stuff, and then kind of like what your training looks like throughout the year. I think we kind of yeah, just... I would love to, man. I that'd be I'd have a blast doing it. So cool. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Well, till next time. Signing off. Later, buddy.